continuing in our series called Person of Interest, and uh, what we've been doing is we've been investigating whether uh, Jesus still matters in a world that rejects him and the Bible, and we've determined, and we are determining, we'll continue to do that, that, that yes, he very much matters. He's very, uh, he's at the center of it all. He's uh, the, the, the one who even breaks up the uh, you know, B.C. to A.D. Like everything culminates in Jesus. Jesus is so important. He is the most important person, and he does matter. And he doesn't just matter that that he exists or that we, you know, give uh, this idea that you know, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus, cool, you know, whatever. No, that he matters so much that it should impact our lives, our hearts, our minds to the core. And have you ever considered all that Jesus has inspired, really? I mean, think about it. In all of history, what is Jesus inspired? He's inspired tons, everything, a lot. Number one, just think about the disciples and the apostles, right? Number one, here, here's uh, you know, a, a, a misfit group of people. Like someone you wouldn't expect, and most people didn't. In fact, the fact that they were still serving in places like, you know, as fishermen with their dad, that means they, 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 they you know, they went to uh, Torah school and didn't make it, didn't make the cut. So they had to go back and work with their dad. That was just how the culture worked. And if you were working with, you know, in your dad's field, that means you just... You, you weren't going any further in, in your relationship uh, with, you know, with God and, and the idea of rabbi and this whole school and following people and being disciples. You know? So not only that, but Jesus chose you know, you know, Judas and you know, the zeal, you know, this zealot, this guy that's like you know, crazy and like really passionate about various military efforts. He chose Levi, Matthew, who... Who's a tax collector? That was a no-no. You know, I mean, so it's this this ragtag group of people that Jesus encountered, called them to be his disciples. They follow and and you know follow him three years. But when things get dicey and get hairy, what do they do? They scatter. They leave. Jesus says, you know, Peter's like, I will follow you to the death. Jesus is like, yeah, right. You're gonna deny me three times a night before the rooster crows. Sure enough, he does and. These guys who just seemed like they didn't know what was going on, eventually, as Jesus rises from the dead, which we celebrated last week, as he ascends into heaven, leads them with marching orders, they kind of stand around and wait because that's what God wanted them to do. But eventually the Holy Spirit enables them and comes on them and their entire lives are turned upside down and changed. And God uses these uneducated Galileans to turn the world upside down. So they were inspired by Jesus. Their entire life was, was appended and turned upside down in this amazing way. But not just the disciples and the apostles, but beyond that. Last week, we briefly discussed literature and and. and um, we even you know, could, could recognize and see how media and movies and all this kind of stuff has been inspired by Jesus over the centuries. Things right after Jesus' life, uh, that, uh, but even well into our time, we discussed those things briefly last week. 
Do you know the Bible was the first book that was printed on this new fangled technology called the Gutenberg Press? It's the first thing printed on the thing that printed books. Did you know that today is still the best-selling book on the shelf? Jesus has inspired so much. But Jesus has even inspired art forms. And at one point in history, Christianity inspired the most artists. And think about, you know, uh, Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel and all these various things that were inspired by God and by Jesus. The question I want to ask you today, has Jesus inspired you? I'm not asking the question, do you believe in him? You wouldn't be here today if you didn't have some kind of grasp of that there's a God and this kind of matters and you know it's important. Maybe, maybe there's someone here today that someone drug in. Come with me to church. I hope, I hope that there's someone like that. But the most part, we we know, we believe, we we you know, we we grew up and you know, we're we're here in the we're here in the Bible belt, you know, and we believe that's not what I'm asking. Has Jesus inspired you has he changed you has he upended your life as he did the disciples has he completely rearranged the, uh, the trajectory of your life the, the way your life is heading does the story of Jesus and his redemption and salvation well up inside of you and you just can't wait to find ways to let it explode out that's what I'm asking in this moment I think it might be just helpful to share my testimony I shared my testimony last night at a wedding about the calling of God on my life I I uh, grew up in church Uh, my parents are Christians my grandparents were Christians and my granny man from the moment I could uh, go and be uh, in her she would babysit me and she would teach me the gospel she would uh, share with me uh, about how to become a Christian and she had this storybook bible it's mine now it's my one of my greatest possessions um but this storybook Bible, and she would teach her grandkids. And at the beginning of that uh, big storybook Bible, it was one of those big old honking ones, right? And um, I, don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to say big old honking in a, in a sermon or not, but I just did, so we'll go with it, okay? It's huge. I love it. And at the front of it, it has my dad's name and my uncle's name and my aunt's name and my other uncle's name. And so I, you know, inquisitive little kid, I'm, you know, six years old, I said, Granny, why are their names there? And Granny said, you know, I've written them there because when they trusted Christ, I wrote their names here to represent how their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so that, that story, my Granny uh, leading me to the Lord was, was my conversion story. And I said, well, Granny, I want my name written in that book and the other book. And she says, well, you got to repent of your sins. She's led me as a six-year-old to trust Christ. But I lived my life and I had doubts and you, you, if you've been around for a while, you realize uh, you've heard my story. I was baptized four times because I was confused, all right? It's another story for another time. I can tell you that later, all right? So, but when I was 16 years old, I was sitting in a service like this, just with my mom and dad. It was the early service at our church. We had two services. We're sitting there, and God put on my heart this calling, this calling to do something for him. 
Now, I loved my youth pastor. I loved music. I loved all these things. I'm like, Lord, I'll do it. I'll, maybe I could be, you know, I could be on the stage and lead people in music. Lord, maybe I could hang out with students and help them grow in their walk, which are so important. And the Lord didn't tell me specifically what it was. So I said, Lord, sign me up. I want to serve you. And last night I was sharing this story of my call to ministry, and particularly the call to do this, to be a pastor, to be preaching God's word, and this idea that God had done so much for me, and he'd called me to do so much for him. And it's something I can't shake. It's something I couldn't run away from. I tried. I said, well, Lord, I, I, I'll be the associate pastor. I'll do all this stuff behind the scenes, but I don't want to preach. I don't want to be the guy that stands up front all the time. I don't want to do that. But God just kept on. He was patient with me, but he just said, no, this is what you're called to do. This is what I want you to do. And I couldn't run from it. What I want you to see is that the Lord inspires us. Now, listen, I don't know that God is going to call you to be in vocational ministry and have to preach on a stage. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the Lord works in our hearts. And when we realize, when we acknowledge all that he's done, does it begin to well up inside of us? Is it something we can't run from? And listen, you don't have to be in vocational ministry. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to serve in children's ministry. You don't have to be in all these positions. That's what I'm saying. God can use you exactly where you are to spread the message of the mystery of Christ. But my prayer, my hope is that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that the Lord is inspiring you, lifting your heart, welling up inside of you to call you to do whatever it is that you do to bring him glory, to bring him honor, and that, that you are looking and finding ways for it, to, for it to explode wherever you are. I want to look at three passages today that I think will help us grasp this and understand that and teach us of the creativity that Jesus inspires in the human heart and look at why we ought to unleash it. And we're going to do some uh, Bible gymnastics today, which is not typical, but I want you to look uh, first at 1 Corinthians 15, 15 through uh, 16. And this is going to be on the screen, so that's okay. If you want to use the screen, that, that's just perfectly fine. But uh, if you want to turn there, you can turn to First Chronicles 15 through 16. And this is our primary passage today. And I want you to see what God has done as he in, uh, inspired people to, to worship him. And so uh, we're, because we're jumping around today, just follow along with me as you're seated today. And let's look at First Corinthians or First Chronicles 15, 15 through 16 first. I know I said Corinthians, it's First Chronicles. Okay. I was like, why is everybody laughing? Yeah. So First Chronicles. There we go. It both, they both start with C. All right. First Chronicles 15. Then the Levites carried the ark of God the way Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord, on their shoulders with the poles. Then David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their relatives as singers and to have them raise their voices with joy accompanied by musical instruments, harps, lyres, and cymbals. Now, we're going to come back to that passage, but I want to jump ahead to Psalm 105. And what we see here is this continued thought and this idea of worshiping and praising the Lord and what that looks like. Psalm 105, 1 and 2. And it says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the peoples, 
Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wondrous works. And then one last passage. It is in the New Testament, not uh, Corinthians, but Colossians. And that passage is Colossians chapter 3. If you don't know how to find Colossians, uh, if you get to uh, first and second uh, Chronicles, or not Chronicles, Coloss- or Corinthians, man, Lord help us. Then you go, go eat popcorn, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Anybody ever else? Anybody else ever heard that? Go eat popcorn. Nice, good. That's how I remember it every time. Colossians three. 12 through 17 it says therefore as God's chosen ones holy and dearly loved put on compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has any grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive above all put on love which is the perfect bond of unity and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In these passages, three things become evident about how we can unleash, how we can be unleashed to convey Jesus to the world. And I want to share that with you. Number one, Jesus inspires joy. If you look at 1 Chronicles uh, 15, we see here that God's design for creativity to be at the heart of the worship of God was uh, so important. God wanted people to worship him with joy. And he says that. He says, uh, take up these things, these poles. Uh, you take up this, uh, the ark and do it with joy. And he, he tells us to do it with singing as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, we should have joy. God wanted his people to worship him with joy. Now, joy comes from gratitude. You and I ought to be inspired by Jesus because we're grateful. And to be grateful, we must understand from whence we came. The Bible tells us uh, that we should never forget the height from which we've fallen. You and I should realize and understand that Jesus has graciously, miraculously, and amazingly saved us from sin. He's forgiven us of our sin. He's cleansed us. Not too long ago, we looked at the 10 lepers and we looked at the one that came back with gratitude. He was thankful that he was cleansed of his his, uh, impairment. And friends, you and I have been cleaned by Jesus. He has forgiven us of our sin and we ought to be grateful to him. And if we are grateful, then we will have joy. And joy is not merely happiness uh, that we fake or falsify. 
and we put on a good face. No, joy is something that, that wells up deep inside of us even when things aren't going well. It's not joy in circumstances that surround us. It's having joy in our heart because we are thankful that despite the circumstances, we have something that will carry us through it all, beyond it all. That we have Christ who forgives us no matter what is happening around us. That we have him and we have eternal life in him. Joy comes from gratitude. Number two, uh, uh, joy. Just enjoy. Joy cannot be falsified. That's the thing. Joy is, is, is not like this false happiness, this trying to put, save face and put on a good act. Joy is real, deep, and transcends happiness. It cannot be Falsified. You will know if someone possesses joy or not. It becomes very evident. Joy is also worshipful. Joy is worshipful. You know, I've heard it said that you and I will worship something. We're created to worship. You and I are good at worship. But sometimes we just fail to be good at worshiping the right one the right thing, the right person. We worship, can I just say this? We worship our hobbies. We do pretty good at worshiping sports team. Oh, that's a little tough, right? We worship our desires, lives, money, all these other things. We, it's very easy for us to do. But if we're grateful we have joy then we'll worship and realize that we need to worship Christ where is our joy for the Lord where's our joy for the Lord I kind of hinted at this before before we even began as we started our prayer time where's our joy for the Lord where's our excitement for what God might do or what God is doing or what God will do or what God could use us to do. Where is our joy for the Lord? David called in the sin with Bathsheba had allowed his life to to transpire in this way and just kind of uh, just you know swirl out of uh, into chaos. It wasn't until the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, hey, David, uh, there's this whole guy that's going on. There's this one guy who owns all these lambs, and there's this one guy that just has this one lamb. And the guy with all the lambs stole the one guy's lamb and took it, Nathan, and fed his neighbors. And David is irate. Bring this guy before me. I'm going to lower the, all the authority of the king on this dude. Nathan's like, look in the mirror, brother. It's you. It was in that moment that David, following that moment, David wrote Psalm 51, and he says to me, he says to God, return to me the joy of my salvation. What is in our lives? What is in our lives that is keeping us from finding joy in Christ? What is in our hearts? What distractions have we allowed in? What are the things that we've put ourselves in and situations that we put ourselves in even what are those things that are stealing our joy of Christ? What are the things that are stealing our joy of worship? What are the things in our life that we need to eradicate out of our life so that we can find joy again? What do we need to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, return to me the joy that I once had. Give me the one I've never had. Give me joy in you. 
We need joy in our hearts, and Jesus inspires joy. The second thing we see is that Jesus inspires singing. In this uh, First Chronicles passage, chapter 15, verse uh, 15, and particularly in, in 16, it says, Then the Levites carried the ark of God the way Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord, and on their shoulders with the poles. And then verse 16. Then David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their relatives as singers and to have them raise their voices with joy. God appointed singers to lead the congregation, if you will, in singing. You ever thought about why do we sing? Why do we sing? We, we devote a lot of time in our services, don't we? To singing. Have you ever thought about that? Why do we do it? In fact, have you ever just thought about like the thing we do this this week in and week out? We come in here, you listen to me yell at you, you know, and tell you silly jokes and try to get you to laugh at times. And and then we sing together, we join together, we stand, we sing. Why? Why? Why do we do that? Number one, singing conveys obedience. Number one, singing is something we are commanded to do. We do it because God has told us to lift our voices. We sing because God wants to hear you sing in exuberance, sing with joy. God wants to hear your voices. And we see and we, we even, we, uh, we, we sing a song, uh, you know, uh, that says, let my praise be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear, right? We want, God wants to hear our praises he wants to hear our joy he wants to see it it conveys that obedience that we trust the lord we do what the lord has called us to do number two singing displays exuberance singing is oftentimes the way that we show that we have joy in our heart it's that it's that welling up inside of us that just has to come out and we do that through singing we sing describing the exuberance we have for whatever it is. Last night, we were at, at that wedding, and Taylor Swift came on. Man, everybody was singing, right? It was joyful. They were excited. Singing to the Lord. We sing to the Lord here because we're so joyful because of what the Lord has done in our hearts. Singing communicates something. We read the passage in Colossians, and it says, admonish one another with songs, uh, with psalms, with, with hymns, with spiritual songs. Psalm 105 says that we ought to worship God, and we ought to sing to him, and we ought to sing so that the world can hear. Our singing communicates something to each other, and it communicates something to the world, that we have joy, we have Christ, we've been inspired by him. And the Colossians passage shows us that singing unifies us. It says we ought to have the perfect bond of unity in that passage. And then he tells us to sing about it. Singing brings us together. It ought to bring us together under the banner of worshiping Christ. So may we lift our voices to God Almighty in song in just a few moments. The third thing we see is that Jesus inspires imagination. Now, in 
First Chronicles, it says that the musicians became, became involved. The, the lyre, the harp, and these various musical instruments, they, they were involved in that. These things require imagination and developed talent. You can't just, uh, you know, we'd love to help you learn how to play the drums, maybe, if that's something you're called to. But, like, nobody can just, just come up here and play. It takes years of work and ta developed talent and the ability to do that. Same with many of these, all these instruments. Jesus has also inspired art and God has given us our creativity and imagination to be used for him. And it, it may not just be like you're great at you know, drawing or painting or playing an instrument or singing. That may not be the art form that you use. Maybe it's just you're great with your hands and you're good with work or you're very kind to people. And that's the thing that God has given you to use for his glory, whatever it may be. Perhaps you're great at walking with people through hard times. Maybe you're just really good at praying to the Lord. There are ways in which all of us, God has gifted us and inspired us prayerfully to use our gifts to glorify him and to communicate to others how amazing he is. Ultimately, it comes down to what Colossians 3, 17 states which is whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. I've got a simple question as we close today. What are you doing for the Lord? What has he inspired you to do? What have you captured in your heart because of what he's done for you to say Lord I want to use what I've been given to glorify you what could you be doing for him what could you be doing for the Lord today maybe you should ask the question who needs to hear about the Lord in my life and what can I use in my life to share with them my prayer is that we would all use the gifts that God has given us. That be inspired. That we'd be changed. That we'd be completely rearranged in our hearts. That we'd be ignited on fire and on passion to share what God has done in us with all we come in contact with. That's why we've devoted ourselves to saying this verse together each week. That there would be an open door. That we could share the mystery of Christ as we should. If we are not inspired, if we are not activated, if we are not the ones to go and to share... Who will? There are people in our circles of influence that God has placed in our circles of influence because he wants us to love them and love Christ into their hearts, into their lives.
we can no longer just say, well, somebody else will do that. That's not my job. I don't know what to say. What if I say the wrong thing? You and I must rely upon God to help through all those things. May we just say, what can I pray for you about? What need do you have spiritually that I might be able to answer? Are you willing just to talk about spiritual things? I don't have all the answers. Man, I know where I can find them. I can come back and give those to you. I pray that God would just ignite in our hearts a passion to share with all we can how amazing he is. And so let's pray that God would do that. If God, if, let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we pray that you would ignite in our hearts as you have with so many others. Do you inspire us, Lord? Change us, God. Do something in our hearts today, God. That we can't explain. We come in confidence, Lord, because we know you hear us. Would you use us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing. God is moving in your life. Anyway, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to share with you. You can come at this time and respond to him in any way.